0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Well, former NFL head coach Mike Martz, he's been out of the league since 2011 And based off of his recent comment about Lamar Jackson, it shows that he hasn't been watching.
2: Yeah, apparently not. He was asked by CBS Sports if he thinks Lamar can evolve into a Super Bowl champion QB while doing so as a passer. And he expressed his doubt for number eight's ability to process the game while under center.
1: I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Friday, July 14th. And this is your morning Ravens update from inside the vault.
2: So ESPN's Ryan Clark has long been a huge proponent of the Ravens in this Lamar era that we're in. And based on his 2023 Super Bowl prediction, That hasn't changed one bit.
1: Plus, we have some more preseason positional rankings to come through, including where Mark Andrews falls among the league's top tight ends and a head coaching ranking.
2: Oh, yeah, we have all that more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. All right, partner, let's get into it. Former NFL head coach Mike Martz. He was last in the NFL, if you're wondering, back in... 2011, as the offensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears. He recently joined CBS Sports to talk about a number of different things, including Lamar Jackson. I guess Lamar is still a polarizing figure to be asked about, even though really t- the most intense part of this offseason is long in the rearview mirror and we're closing in on training camp. Anyway, one of the panelists asked Martz about. Whether or not he believes that Lamar can evolve into a Super Bowl champion quarterback as a passer, and this is what he had to say: I don't know
3: because I, you know, they don't have a lot of receivers around him, and just kind of by what the nature of what they do, I don't know how good at processing thing. and that's the key: how quick you can process, read, and react. And, and he certainly can throw the ball well enough. There. I don't would never doubt that, but the key to everything that Joe Montana or, you know, the Brady and Mahomes is what they see and can react to correctly is remarkable in such a short period of time. I don't know if he has that.
1: (laughs) All right, Bobby, I'm going to try to react to that with as much grace as possible here at first. First, he says, he says he doesn't know. Okay. So maybe he's saying, maybe he's not saying he for sure doesn't have it. Maybe he's just saying, I really don't know, but it's obviously he's, he's, expressing doubt that Lamar can process things. And listen, Lamar is going into, what is this, year six? So, you know, he's definitely got plenty on, on the tape. But he also did say that, you know, the Ravens haven't had a lot of receivers. Obviously, the scheme in which Greg Roman implemented under Harbaugh uh, didn't put a lot of emphasis on on him processing things quickly as a passer. Um, We've all seen people talk about how the, the passing schemes were just second rate. I think it was Steve Smith. who said it was like elementary school. Um,
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so there's that. So maybe that's why people don't know. Maybe he hasn't been put in those situations, but um but no, I think there's plenty of evidence. For again, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. But there's plenty of evidence. In fact, I still remember when Lamar was drafted. And I remember going upstairs to uh, Kevin Byrne's office. He's he used to be the vice president, uh, senior vice president of public relations, and he's in the draft room. He's he's right down the hallway from Ozzy. I'm on the show draft and, night. Yeah, we had him on the show draft night. He's very plugged in. And the first thing I remember him telling me, because you know, I I you know. I, Vers- I'm still trying to like drink from the fire hose and, fi- you know, figure out who Lamar Jackson is. And the first thing he tells me, he's like, Sarah, he's like, Lamar Jackson is like a point guard in the NBA. You know? Um, it's, he's like the Allen Iversons or whoever general. like am give- Yep yeah yeah like floor general and so I obviously think of John Stockton that was who I, I loved watching growing up but like he was like listen Lamar is like the type of point guard where like he looks one way and then he can throw the ball the other way like he sees the field so well that was actually my very first impression from like the upstairs of the facility is like that's what they thought of him is they just loved the way he could see the field and the way he could break things down and so and then on top of that so that was all the way back in 2018 then as we remember in 2019 is when Lamar became the for the first time a full season starter and there are some great clips both from Greg Roman and John Harbaugh describing the way he can process and see the field
3: I just think he's got a good natural vision field vision um, which is hard to coach yeah I mean he can move through progressions like a lot of guys but I I just felt and really we felt this way about him since last year that he, he just saw the field well you know, it's depth perception, just uh, um, re- spatial relationships. You know, just seeing guys. You know, seeing different leverages out there. You know, and some guys have it, and we, we've always kind of touted him as having that ability to see the field. So uh, I think he's. Uh, you know, it's a work in progress, and he's young, and he's got a long way to long, long way to go, and and keep experiencing, which is even more exciting. The thing about him that's so interesting is, you know, his accuracy was going to be questioned. That was going to be his fatal, fatal flaw, so to speak. He's more accurate than we thought. Even standing in there, he's especially accurate on the move. But the thing that we saw, and you know this is so important, his vision of the field, just the ability to see the open receiver and not have to progression it, ABC, what's the route say, he just photographs it and sees the open receiver he's got great field vision so that's going to give him a leg up right but the number of reps is the last thing i think you're referring to joe's going to get the reps that he needs but we had the extra time so that's been valuable for us and lamar's had whole practices out here on his own he's made great plays he's made mistakes so the other thing was building the offense too you know the rpos the college stuff you know the college teams it's all they do you can stop anything if that's all they do in this league you can't do one thing but man it's good stuff you know so you know you say that's lamar's offense or that's rob griffin's offense well that's Joe's offense too. You know, Joe's got to run that stuff too, and he's—I think he's pretty good at it.
2: You know, and Sarah just kind of adding on to those two clips paraphrasing a little bit about what we've heard from Todd Munkin's impressions over the last couple of months from what he's seen. He's echoed some of that, you know, like he's talked about what Lamar can do vision wise, diagnostics wise, you know, um, identifying certain coverages at the line of scrimmage. And I think what we're going to see, or I think what you and I are most excited to see is, is the way that, that Lamar can have control and almost like, dare I say, autonomy in, in Todd's new offense, you know, with, with literally being the point guard. And, and I think he's even talked about like, he can become the offensive coordinator in certain situations based on uh, his film study, based on what what's happening in front of him. And that's the evolution of of Lamar as a quarterback that I'm most looking forward to uh, under Todd Munkin.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, Todd Munkin, I was searching for a quote similar to what Greg, Greg Roman just gave in Harbaugh. And you can almost hear in Harbaugh's voice that the ending is... That end of that clip was more about, I mean, at the time, Joe Flacco and all those guys were, you know, who was all there. But in the beginning, he talked about his vision. You could hear the excitement in his voice. I was looking for a similar clip with with Munken. I don't have one, but I think actually what speaks louder than if we had a soundbite is exactly what you're speaking to here, Bobby, where like we've all heard, we know, Lamar's even said, Greg, Todd Munkin is giving me the keys to the offense. You know, he's like, I'm getting the keys. And so the best quote I actually could find more recently came from T Martin. And it's exactly what you just kind of talked about. He said, he goes, he said this, um, just, um, when was this? I think in mandatory minicamp, he said, quote, there are times where monk says, okay, I'm the coordinator. I call the plays. You like it. Keep running it. When you, ch- when you change that play, you, oh, I'm trying to see if I got this right. I call the plays, you like it, keep running it. When you change that play, you become the coordinator. So that's that's T. Martin saying that he's heard Munkin say that to Lamar. And so... Literally, you know, in their eyes, he's becoming that that coordinator. He goes, with that being said, the film study, the time invested to where Lamar does take over. And he is the coordinator during that time. And he's doing a good job in getting us in the right place and operating the offense. Close quote. And during that quote, just before that, T. Martin talked about remember how the Ravens had such a hard time against the Dolphins, I think two games uh, ago, where they just couldn't beat the zero blitz. They could not do it. And so what they decided to do in that single game is they were like, okay, Lamar, you're going to call the plays at the line of scrimmage. And then the Ravens kept beating them. So once Lamar, I think that was the game that we're all looking at and saying, yeah, we know Lamar can do this. He just hasn't had the autonomy to do so, at least not a lot of it. He did a little bit under Greg Roman. So to me, there's not a bigger statement than what the Ravens are doing by going out and getting him the receivers because to March's point, he didn't have the receivers. They're now got a new offensive coordinator that's going to give him the keys. That's a loud statement. And now they're actually implementing it and giving him those keys. And so, you know, this is something that the Ravens have always known he can do. And sometimes, Bobby, you probably see it too. Some of the best plays that Lamar has made is when Greg Roman's plays broke down and then off the cuff, Lamar is able off, to, like, yep. figure things out. You know what I mean? And then I think that's why he's so good with uh, with uh, Mark Andrews is because Mark can do that with him. I think OBJ will be able to do that. But as the Ravens try to marry the passing game with the, the running game, Lamar's ability to process – is so low down on my list of things that i'm concerned about
2: well said right you were processing when you're improvising and that's when he's at his best like yeah come on coach martz i just sometimes and let's not get it twisted here either like we we only shared a part of the clip you know like it was just a 30 second nugget here so this was a part of a a full interview so we don't want to again i think you you said it best off the top. He gave him grace. He deserved grace. Uh, he won a Super Bowl with the Rams. He was an assistant. I believe Dick Vermeule, if I'm not mistaken, was the head coach there. Uh, he's been out of the league for a long time. The way that he actually said the whole wide res- the lack of wide receivers made it seem like they still don't have wide receivers. I hope right. he didn't mean it like that. Then he really <laughs> yeah. wouldn't have been paying attention this offseason. Um, but you yeah. just brought me back to one quick thing before we shift gears to Ryan Clark and what he had to say prediction-wise. Uh, about the 2023 squad and that's the whole cover zero thing like okay we all know that the jacksonville clunker in london what 2017 if i'm not mistaken was the Mm -hmm. most disastrous game perhaps in the history of the organization
1: oh there's others i can think of Um, (laughs) Any others but maybe in recent history yeah
2: sure sure i'm yeah okay yeah so (laughs) recent history just so i don't get quoted there but uh (laughs) um but a, a short, a close second has got to be the clunker on Thursday night football when they couldn't beat the zero blitz so in brutal. Miami in front of a national audience. Right. That was a horrific game, but they made sure to correct that and they figured it out for sure uh, last year. So anyway,
1: yeah. hey, one more one more quote I want to give. <laughs> I remember this. You know that we've had a skeptic goat on the show, right? He's a former college quarterback. Yeah, read it off, rip it off. (laughs) So he replied to this tweet that had this video with Martz and I'd already told Skep, I was like, I am using this unless you have any objections. And now I'm seeing he just gave me the green light. He says, go for it, Sarah. So he replies to it. So he goes, if Lamar Jackson truly does not have any of the skills to be an NFL quarterback, like so many former NFL coaches and GMs suggest, while also holding so many NFL quarterback records and the second all time winning percentage, it would be the greatest feat since sports was invented <laughs> major props. And that's just so true. It's like, how do you win a unanimous MVP as a quarterback and not be able to have these skills that everybody is saying, how do you, how do you win so much in the regular? I mean, he still needs to do it more in the, in the postseason, which I think he will, but how do you win this much? How do you do all these things? when you don't have any of these skills that everybody's talking about. And so I just thought that was a great quote from Skept. I had to read that before we moved on.
2: I love it. Yeah. He he came on the vault last summer, former college Mm -hmm. quarterback Ravens, Twitter personality guy, super active Um, good dude there. and, And a good way to finish off topic one with that, we'll shift into ESPN's Ryan Clark's prediction for his 2023 Super Bowl champion. And to no one's surprise, He's picking Baltimore. Here are a couple of his quotes that we have for you. Uh, he told SB Nation's Debbie Emery recently that uh, the biggest storyline going into the NFL this season is what the Baltimore Ravens are going to do. You add Odell Beckham Jr., you go out and you get, say, flowers in the first round. You give Lamar $185 million guaranteed. That has to equal wins. And if it doesn't equal wins and this team's not contending for a Super Bowl They're going to say it's a waste, but I also think it falls at the feet of Lamar Jackson, so people will be paying attention to that. He went on to say that my actual bold prediction is that the Baltimore Ravens will win the Super Bowl. I just think it's about who Lamar has been without having help. So now you give him help. You give him a new offensive coordinator, and along with that, you have a defense that improves the entire season. I think they're going to be A scary team, close quote. What's your reaction?
1: (laughs) Listen, it is July 13th. It is so easy to make these predictions on July 13th. It makes the fan base of whoever you're saying it for make them feel good. Um, And so, uh, listen, I've been saying, and I've actually been saying it for about three years now. I think Eric DaCosta, over the last few years, has put together Super Bowl caliber rosters and while i still think he's got some tinkering to do with cornerback and pass rusher i think the nuts and bolts are here and i think once again the ravens have a super bowl caliber roster now to go ahead and predict in july that they will win it i think that that's like what's even the point I don't, you know it's it's just it's just fun july content um because we need to see what happens with injuries, obviously. And so you got to make these you know, predictions when you don't know injuries. But then on top of it, I just have so much respect for the gauntlet that is the AFC that it's like once you... I, I think the Ravens first need to win the AFC North. I think they can do it, but they're going to have to beat the Cincinnati Bengals for it. I think that they can, but it's not going to be easy. Then if they do win the AFC North... Then you go, then you get into the playoffs. You're probably gonna have to see the Bengals again. You got to get through the Bills. You got to get through the Chiefs. Who knows where the Jets are going to be with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, there's just so many good teams, and so it's like, can they? Absolutely. But once they hit the playoffs, and I do think they're going to hit make the playoffs. Once they get there, they. This is what the Ravens have not done in the Lamar Jackson era. And for, you can name a million reasons for why it's happened, but I still don't think that the Ravens have played their best football in the postseason. If the Ravens pay, play their best football in the postseason, then yeah, they can win the Super Bowl. But it takes, it, it just a lot has to come together for that to happen. So I'm happy that Ryan Clark has confidence in this Ravens roster. I do too. Uh, I like his bold prediction, but we got a long ways to go, obviously. What's your reaction?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean, bottom line is we're taping this on the night of July 13th, crazy enough. Mm-hmm. And and you speak to the gauntlet, too. Like, you didn't even mention. This just shows you how much depth there is. You didn't even mention the likes of Miami, uh, yep. Jacksonville, mm-hmm. you know, like the Chargers. They're all going to be there. Like this is, this is a gauntlet and a half. So, and, and to your point about playing the best football at the right time, they just haven't peaked as they always say, they just haven't peaked at the right time in the Lamar era yet. They've won a ton of games, what 45 and 16, something along those lines since Lamar Mm -hmm. stood over, you know, since Lamar took over for Joe. But peaking at the right time sometimes can be a funky thing, right? It could be like an unpredictable thing, whether that's injuries, momentum, wild card births, um, you know, the bye weeks that they earned in 2019 and then come out flat on a 60 degree balmy night, you know, prior to the what, a one month before the, the world ended back in in 2020. I'll never forget that night. But so a lot of that has to do with stuff that you can't control. Uh, but man. Control what you can control. And sometimes that, that's not health, but it certainly is, you know, how you play on the football field week in and week out. And um, it all starts September 10th, Houston Texans, one o'clock at the bank. Looking forward to it.
1: Well, and what you just said about not only the injuries, but like the momentum, that is exactly what happened when the Ravens won in 2012. I remember in Dece- I think it was in December, the Ravens lost three games in a row. And one of them, I believe it was against the Giants. Joe either threw an interception or uh, or fumbled or something, but the Giants were returning the ball and he tried to catch him. Didn't happen. He was trying to catch the guy and he ends up, you know, falling to the, to the turf and then he just puts his, Face mask into the grass, and I remember using that picture is like for late for work when I wrote it that that day, and it was just like I thought I was like here we go the Ravens can't re- you know can't get back after they were there in 2011, and then all of a sudden Ray comes back and Suggs comes back, and it just like it was just a dream, it was just a dream run that they went on, and that's why it's like all you can ask of the of the of the front office is to put together a Super Bowl caliber roster, and then. You just go from there and you and each week is is a different week. So um, all right. So let's get into um a couple of kind of quick hits kind of thing. We'll do like a meld of quick hits and 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 topic three. So uh first off, really quick, heavy.com spoke to some scouts around the league and these executives named three young wide receivers prime to reach new new heights in 2023 that's the way they termed it now yesterday bobby you and i this was thursday's morning vault you and i and jeff's rebeck we read his name some breakout players this certainly could have been one of them so rashad bateman was named uh as one of three young wide receivers who can break out And this is what the let's see an AFC South scout told heavy.com. This is what they said. He said Rashad Bateman is the guy, but he needs to stay healthy with Odell Beckham jr. And Zay flowers. I don't expect Baltimore to be as run down as they have been. This season could finally be Rashad's time to shine. I so hope he's right. I so hope he's right. I hope he stays healthy because I do think OBJ and Zay are going to be great for this offense. But if, while that's happening, Rashad becomes the guy we all thought he would be when he was drafted, then this really will take that passing game to a completely new level.
2: I'd be thrilled that that ends up being the case. You know, unfortunately Rashad for Rashad, I think in the eyes of many within this fan base, it's been sort of a tumultuous couple years, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not even talking about this stuff off the field, like, the, the on the field stuff has has been tough because he just hasn't he's been more unavailable than he has available but the thing is there's been so many uh, flashes of brilliance like the Miami slant that everybody talks about right 75 77 yards the guy's got ridiculous straight line speed that I wasn't aware of until that play to be honest and uh, and so the potential is there the upside is there the health obviously to to this guy's point Remains a question. Then you add in some of the, the drama off the field on Twitter. Obviously, when Eric DaCosta made those comments at the scouting combine, Rashad took offense to his comments about wide receivers, and things blew up a little bit. The t- the tweet was obviously d- deleted not long after. So I'm looking for – I'm what I hope for Rashad is good health and low-key na- – like a low-key nature. Like a drama-free – third season in the NFL. That's just what the doctor ordered for him. That's just what the doctor ordered for for this offense. There's going to be enough attention, right? Media is going to be clamoring for any kind of story with this team. One, because of the personalities. Two, because of the primetime games that they have on their schedule, including a London game. And three, because of the pressure that's under Lamar as the highest paid player right now in terms of average annual value. You know, like if they give them even any reason to hop on that and and create a national storyline, it's it's just going to be a distraction that they don't need.
1: Moving on to a ranking here with, uh, so ESPN, as we've been covering, ESPN has been talking again and getting a poll from executives, coaches, and uh, players, and they've been doing rankings for each position. And so now they're finally at tight end. So from their poll, Mark Andrews comes in at number three. He comes in behind Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs and then the 49ers' George Kittle. Here is what, um, okay, so this is Jeremy Fowler's quote. He says, Andrews is one of the most well-rounded skill players in the league and produces when the Ravens need him most. He has 25 red zone receiving touchdowns over the past four years, tied with Mike Evans for fifth in the NFL. His blocking is elite too, with Andrews ranking in run block win rate 86% uh, out of 115 qualifying tight ends last year. And then that's a close quote there. And then an NFL scouting director said, major matchup issue with his size, speed, athleticism, and route running ability, huge catch radius, and a really easy guy to throw to. Always the primary guy for the defense, close quote. Hopefully that changes with OBJ and some of these other guys in. But I think three is fair. I think you could maybe argue two but I don't think this is like a crazy ranking. We've seen some crazy ones, but I think we're we're pretty happy with that. Yeah.
2: I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, he's been behind Kittle and Kelsey for a while. Obviously, Kelsey is on a different level, kind of like Mahomes is at the quarterback position, and I'm fine there. You know, Mark is... Yeah. For, for Mark to be there, right, at, coming into the league several years ago and, and not being anywhere close to the Ravens' first round, you know, first round selection that year and coming in behind Hayden Hurst, I think it's, it's been a pretty, pretty cool comeback story for Mark.
1: All right. So one more ranking here, this is head coach rankings. This comes from Warren sharp there, you know, he's the big uh, analytics guru and apparently he has a sharp football analysis team. I didn't know that there was a whole team, but it actually makes sense because they churn out a ton of analytics. So it's not just him on his own. Um, So what he did is he got his team together and they all got to vote on you know their, um, their rankings, and they do it for a bunch of a bunch of positions, including the head coach. the fir- The head coach was the first one that came up, and um, so then they combine all their rankings and average it together. John Harbaugh comes in at number two, the second best NFL head coach behind Andy Reid. Only Andy Reid had a perfect score at, as a hundred. John Harbaugh came in at non- ninety one. The Bills, Sean McDermott is number three with an 89. And then it kind of goes goes down from there. So I feel like, maybe I'm wrong about this, I feel like there's more respect for John Harbaugh outside of Baltimore than in, than even in. And I'd say most fans respect Harbaugh, but there's definitely a growing voice that's kind of over him after all these years. I am not that voice. I love John Harbaugh. I think he's an excellent head coach. I like the culture he sets up. I like that he can be, he can bring in different coordinators and have different styles while having an overall identity. Um, I think he's, I think he's excellent. And I think he's, he's evolved over the years. I think he, um, works more with players in the beginning. He definitely was, was harder and harsher trying to establish himself, but, um, Yeah, he's, he's number two. And by the way, this isn't a career ranking. This is a ranking going into 2023. So for those wondering where Bill Belichick is, he's number six on this list.
2: Okay. Yeah. I was wondering that as well. Um, I was definitely pleasantly surprised for Harbs to be at at number two. That voice that you speak of is definitely, in my opinion, the vocal minority who for whatever Mm -hmm. reason can't seem to get over any given, maybe, okay. For one example, let's call it, you know, not being able to convert on a fourth down decision, right? They, the, the ball's overturned that the, they're, they they can not get through their mind. What went into that decision? Was it analytics based? Was it just the feeling, right? And they just haven't been able to forgive him for that. <laughs> other than that, you know, I would love to know how, just how deep of a voice this is within the fan base that want him out, you know, cause what? they come and go, don't they? They come and go.
1: Well, they come and go. There's there's some people I'm thinking of on Twitter and also some listeners that that leave comments. I'm sure they'll leave comments on this too. Um, yeah. Here's here's one narrative about John. Now let's do this quickly because we're running out of time and I just have one more quick hit. Um, here's one criticism that I think is wrong of John and then one that I think is true. One that I think is wrong is that he can't have, he doesn't want to have alpha alphas on the team. I think that's ridiculous. I think time and time and time again, we've seen alphas all over this team. And um, I do think there's a difference between Alpha and straight up being rebellious, which is what Pollard was. And we kind of see Pollard just speaks his mind. We saw that with him and Lamar Jackson. Um, So there's some people who just don't want to listen and want to run the team that they they want to, um, which you just can't have that. A coach needs to be a coach. But but I just think from Steve Smith, Marcus Peters, um, I mean, I just think that like I'm thinking off the top of my head right now, I'm sure I could come up with... <laughs> yeah. Thomas, I can think of a ton of guys that have been here. So one thing that I do think is more legitimate, I do think he, and you know what, I I, I was wrong with this too. I think he held on to Greg Roman a year too long. I was also advocating that Greg Roman get another chance because I felt like injuries hurt him also. But I think some people could see the writing on the wall that his offense was starting to lose its luster, and so um, so I was wrong. And I think Harbaugh was wrong. I think they they spent one year too long with Greg Roman. And, and that's Harbaugh's decision. And I think that, um, um, I don't know. Yeah, I just, in hindsight, I think he was wrong for, for holding on that long. All right. One last quick hit that I thought was intriguing. Um, we won't talk too much about it. Maybe Maybe more in the future. But our guy, Spencer Schultz. Um, who they just started up another podcast? We we need to get the details on that. I've seen them tweeting about it. Um, but somebody had asked him. He said, "Will Odafe always step up this year, or is he a lost cause?" That's what he asked Spencer. Remember, Spencer's a big. Um, he's like a scouting guru. He does a lot of studying um, for you know within he's scouting and technique. Too. Oh, he is certified. I didn't realize that. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So his answer to this, I'll read it and then and then we'll 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 end on this note. He goes, "I will die." On the following hill, always speed and forty time caused him to be miscast as a finesse/speedy/fancy rusher. He's too tall and long, with too powerful and explosive of a frame to play the way he has been. He was a powerful, technically sound run defender at Penn State University. A shoulder injury/surgery caused him to focus on becoming lighter and faster. He would be m- much more well served to gain strength slash good weight and play a more violent game predicated upon his get-off and length with focus on the long arm bull rush. When he has good games as a rusher, it's because he plays through the chest plate of the opposing tackles, which opens up the ability for inside counters as well as speed rushes. He's six foot five and high cut too tall to be a speed rusher intriguing tweet i thought right there
2: intriguing and seems to be spot on through his first couple (laughs) years in the league i mean for adape's sake i hope that he proves him wrong but everything about that analysis checks out right from what we've seen so well it hasn't been working
1: for him so far the way he's been doing it
2: (laughs) right right so (laughs) hopefully the emer you know the the addition of chuck smith you know dr rush uh, their, their new outside linebackers coach and, you know, a presence and perhaps Justin Houston comes back as, as Yoda or whatever they call each other, then that'll help him. But f- so far it seems as if that, that is spot on analysis from Spenny there. So anyway, one more quick thing before we jump to, we, I think we forgot to add in this, that the uh, Warren sharp ranked the NFL's best offensive lines rankings as well. And uh, he has the Ravens at number three overall behind the lions and Eagles respectively, which is a pretty dang good spot to be seeing how they don't have an answer right now. Well, they have, they have potential answers, but they don't have a shoe in for starting left guard. The rest of the line looks pretty good. Durable. You'd hope on the left hand side with Ronnie experience on the right with Morgan and some talent in between, of course, too, with the, you know, the, the young guy and Linderbaum. And then of course, um, reliable, if you will, in, in Kevin Zeitler. So just wanted to add that in there and then as always we wanted to shout out two of our returning patrons who are supporting our channel our audio only show and everything we do through patreon on a monthly basis so shout out to tibor potter and bryson herb we appreciate you both for believing in what we're building here in baltimore and beyond and if you want to check out what we're offering on patreon you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash ravens vault podcast That'll do it for this Friday morning edition here inside the vault. As always, you can reach us by email via BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. We're accepting, we're taking, we're listening, we're checking out all of your feedback for this new format. And for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett. Thanks for being with us.